More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Truth for sure when he was carried that it makes sense because if that word which I certainly can't say on the air oh no I can't say that word I can't even tell you what letter it start with okay that's enough let's just go ahead and put that word in a box along with other words that are offensive no matter who says it okay so someone the the word Carrie yeah the that word the first one you said that's an offensive word, okay? And so someone who is one of those can use that slur, even though that slur would be aimed at them, and use it against a straight woman to offend that straight woman because that straight woman might have masculine features. So calling that straight woman that word is offensive to that straight woman. And so what did the straight woman do? Came back and used another offensive term used to demean members of the LGBTQ plus IA community. In fact, no, just the G in the LGBTQ plus IA community. So a racial, this is like a black person calling a white person the N word. Like that would seem kind of oxymoronic because but the examples, okay, it'd be like um, a woman calling another woman a bee. No, because we do that as a term of endearment. No, but you can use it offensively, though, because women use the B word. Okay, when a woman doesn't like another woman, she will call her a B word. But she also can, there's different contexts of it. The B word can be used as a term of endearment, like the N word can too. But the N word can also be used as a negative trope against anybody but i feel like if a woman is calling another woman a b-word yep. that woman can say that you're a b-word right back yeah that's true i really don't want to get into this because all, all that's gonna happen is you're gonna end up canceling me and then you're gonna quit and so where does that get us <sighs> where do i even start here I want to talk about, let me read some of your text messages because they're very insightful. But I have a reason for some Caucasian panic. So like the whole, they're using the term woke now. And so woke is also a trope. So it's people who who are much more progressive, who think outside the box about American society, who thinks that we are better and we're much more inclusive of all different types of people. We want to move away from the old ways of separation and move toward being a united nation, a united world. So anybody who wants that, anyone who 
who wants in- inclusivity is considered woke. And so when you take a term like that, you can politically organize against it. So anything that's reflective of modern times where people are coming together and starting to push our differences aside and work together and build bridges instead of tearing them down, tearing walls down instead of putting them up. You, you call them woke to dismiss them. And then you say, well, their woke agenda. You know what a woke agenda is? Teaching your damn kids history. You know what a woke agenda is? Telling people to respect all human beings, regardless of how you may feel about their lifestyle. That's the woke agenda. So they're politically organizing against it. And it seems to. um, So here's the thing about black folks. We ain't got no business participating in that. Because there is a concerted effort to make sure that certain people who are not pure, who are not pure American, who are not pure white, who are not pure Christian, don't reproduce and do not have influence in our society. And black folks, we just jump right on in. We say, yeah, we hate them woke people, too. They talking about us, dummy. They just can't say the N-word anymore. But there's a reason why you have people like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and why they have such a willing audience for their very divisive politics. And so let me make a long story short here. Let me go ahead and give you all a spoiler. Divisive politics don't work. In the long run, when you try and separate people and divide people, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. You can try. You can waste a lot of time, effort, energy, money, waste a lot of elections on trying to divide people. It doesn't work. You can say it's illegal for people to marry interracially. Doesn't work. You can say that it's it's illegal and it's, um, you know, you're going to throw somebody in jail if people integrate. It doesn't work. But they're still trying to hang on to it. And I know why. They are fighting for their lives. Whiteness is fighting for its life, literally. This is from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And they come up with a lot of data. You know, so first of all, you know where technology and research comes from? It comes from two places. Well, really three. But two main sources. Technology comes from the U.S. military. Like, they had the cell phone in the 1970s. Like, they come up with, they do a lot of research and development when it comes to technology because they need cutting edge research and development so we can make uh, weapons so we can have all the tools of war utilizing technology. So uh, technology comes from the military. It comes from the private sector too, but the military with government spending kind of spearheads a lot of technology. Some of the technologies that we have as consumers, the military had in the sixties and the seventies. In fact, they had the ability to, it was called the echelon system. So after Kennedy was assassinated, that if you talked about certain ter- terminologies and certain words on a cell, on a, not a cell phone, but a landline, it's in the 60s now, then automatically the government could listen into your telephone com- conversation. So they had voice recognition and voice recognition technology back in the 1960s. I mean, look what we have now. We have it all over the place. And the other place that research and data comes from are colleges and universities. They send professors on sabbaticals. They give them big old grants to go and do a whole bunch of research, to write books, to do fact-finding missions, to collect all this data, and then they publish the stuff. And that is where we get a lot of our information and statistics. So the U.S. military and also colleges and universities where a lot of our data and our fact and our statistics come from. So here we go. University of Wisconsin-Madison. More Hispanic whites. No, non-Hispanic whites. So just I hate when they say non-Hispanic because when I hear white, I just think white. More whites, I'm going to take out the non-Hispanic part. More whites died than were born in 26 states. More than at any time in U.S. history. 
Some 179 million people, roughly 56% of the U.S. population, lived in those 26 states. In contrast, white deaths exceeded births in just four states in 2004. So I need you all to understand this now. So between 2016 and 2004, the number of states in which deaths exceeded births went from just four to 26. White people are dying off. That is why they have to outlaw abortion, period. It has nothing to do with loving children, caring for children, wanting the children to be born, and giving rights to unborn children. I need you to, if you know nothing else, do not for a second think that the political motivation to outlaw and to ban abortion has anything to do with loving kids. You can't possibly believe that, can you? If there's still people that believe that I'm not doing my job as a radio host correctly, it's because white women are having a lot of abortions and the white population is dying. It's older. It's less fertile. They're having less kids and they are losing their power. Their power has always been based on numbers. Let me give you another example in case you don't believe me. Why do you think that we were counted as three fifths of a human being? And it's not like emotional, like, oh, they thought of, oh, yeah, they thought of us as less than people. But because if you counted all of the slaves or people in bondage or non-free persons, then the South or then the North, rather, would be losing population to the South. Therefore, the South would have more members of Congress. So the compromise was you can only count the Negroes as three fifths of a human being because population is everything. Population gives you more what is called apportionment. The more people you have, the more congressional representation you get. The more people you have, the more state Senate districts you get. The more people you have, the more state congressional or assembly districts you get. White people are losing population, so they're going to lose their apportionment. They're going to lose their political power to maintain white supremacy. And so now they're at the end of their rope, and now they have to outlaw abortion. It's a very drastic measure, but drastic times call for drastic measures. In 2016, more whites died than were born in 26 states, more than any other time in U.S. history. Some 179 million residents or roughly 56 percent of the U.S. population lived in 26 states. In contrast, whites, white deaths exceeded births in just four states in 2004. And 17, as recently as 2014, white deaths also exceeded white births in the nation as a whole for the first time in U.S. history in 2016, according to data from the National Institute for Health Statistics, where births failed to keep up to keep pace with deaths. A region is said to have a natural decrease in population, which can only be offset by migration gains. In 17 of the 26 states with white natural decreases, the white population diminished overall between 2015 and 2016. Our analysis of the demographic factors that cause white natural decrease suggests that more states are likely to experience it in the future. I've got so much more data on this. As time goes on, there's just going to be less white people and banning abortion is not going to stop it. So instead of white folks who still are hanging on to the last vestiges of power, instead of them using all of their resources to try and increase white populations, just 
realize that you should love everybody and stop trying to maintain your whiteness because they're trying to maintain it for sinister reasons. Plus, if white people admit that they look better when they tan and they do, they literally give themselves melanoma to look like us. Just let the world naturally progress and let everyone look a little bit more brown and bronze because that's what happens when the races mix. People are this beautiful hue of golden brown, like a piece of delicious golden fried chicken. People are just brown and they're beautiful because the black people and the white people and sprinkle in some Asian and some Native American and some East Indian and you sprinkle in some Aborigine and what else do you sprinkle in? Sprinkle in a little European, not much, not much, just a little European and it makes a beautiful person that's naturally brown and has melanin that protects them from the sun. That's it's so simple. So simple. All right, let's see what we got here. I know I got some doozies. Two six two three eight eight says Sir Sherwin, I don't think you slash people should speak for the majority of Trump supporters. I am pro woman empowerment. That is not a reason why we are. I am not a Hillary supporter. So two six two three eight eight. Are you a man or a woman? I'm curious because if you're a woman, and I'm not even going to limit to being a Trump supporter unless you were a non-voter and Donald Trump was the first time you voted ever. And if that's the case, I got to wonder why. What was it about Trump's rhetoric that made you and others like you want to vote for him for the first time ever? But if you're a woman and a Trump supporter, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you're a woman, probably a Caucasian woman, maybe not, but probably the likelihood you being a Caucasian woman and a Trump supporter and a Republican is very, very high. If you're a woman who is a Trump supporter and also a Republican, you've been screwed. You've been following the political agenda set forth by your uncle, your daddies, your grandparents and your brothers, because you as a white woman. No, I'm not talking about you specifically, 262388, because I don't know what you are. But white women realize that their power comes from their whiteness and not their womanhood, because if that was the case, they would band together with all women, even the black ones, even the brown ones, even the ones who weren't citizens. But white women don't do that. White women band together with their husbands, their fathers, their uncles and their brothers because they know that's where their power comes from. And in doing so, white women have screwed themselves because it was those white men that said, guess what? If you get raped, especially by one of us. You better have the baby because you're going to give birth to a white baby and we need all the white babies we can get. They used you. They told you that your power remains in your whiteness, not in your womanhood, when really your power is in your womanhood. Little fact for you, women outnumber men. If women just said, enough, enough of this, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to lead the country, run the country. Here is how you're going to pay us. Here's how you're going to treat us. Here are the new laws that we are going to have against spousal abuse and domestic violence. All women have to do, but they don't do that. White women said, nah, we're just going to vote. We're just going to vote white supremacy and let all these other women who we could be in a majority with, we're going to let them languish because they're not white and we are. That's it. In fact, think of womanhood as an organized union. If they all band together, their power is strong like a balled up fist. 
But if they are spread apart an individual like an open hand, those individual fingers can get broken one by one. They are a union. They are a special interest group that controls the most important thing in a democracy population women incubate society and they have the majority of voters in every election women outvote us did you know that fellas did you know that but we have to tell women that they're subservient and they'll believe it we have to tell women all the things that they cannot do because they'll believe it in fact we have to socialize them to be weak and to be soft and to play with dolls we're telling little girls from the time they're two years old yeah here's a doll be a mother no, don't have ambitions and don't have dreams. Here you go. And at the same time, you won't give a doll to a little boy and tell him, be a father. Learn how to take care of that baby. Learn how to change that diaper because we're afraid he might be gay. Isn't that the craziest thing ever? This is crazy. All right. Take a break. Come back. Read more text messages. And continue on our conversation. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 101.7 FM. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back. The caller asks, if women went on a sex strike, how long do you think it would take for them to get equal pay? Women would never go on a sex strike. Women, this is what they don't say. They like sex more than us, way more than us. But they have to be modest and they got to appear like to not like sex. It's, it's weird. Like it's there's seven billion people on Earth because somebody likes sex. And it ain't just men. Real men know that women, a woman who is in love with a man and connect with him emotionally is like when it comes to sex, like she wants it all the time. The women wouldn't go on a sex strike. Like just, they wouldn't do that because it wouldn't work. Women are, have y'all never heard how women talk? Women are more sexually explicit and graphic than men ever could be, but they have to appear modest because reputation impacts women in every single sphere of their life. A woman who is known to be promiscuous might not get the job. A company may not want to hire her for reputation when it comes to sexuality precedes her. And plus men don't want to be with a woman who's been with a lot of men. We, we don't. And that's just the truth. And, and women get mad because, Oh, well we want to be like men. You can, but when the man that you want and the man you ultimately want to be with rejects you because you wanted to sleep around like men do, then you can't be mad at that. Cause remember you made the choice to be like a man. You made the choice to be like a man. So then expect men not to want you. Let me give you an example. So because men are expected to be sexually experienced because women, especially grown women, don't have a lot of tolerance for a man that's sexually inexperienced. And let me tell you why. She doesn't see a man's sexual inexperience as, oh, my God, he's pure. Oh, my God, he's virginal. Oh, my God, he's like snow that's never been stepped on. They think there's something wrong with him if he's sexually inexperienced. Women don't want men that aren't wanted and desired by other women, period. And if he has sexual prowess, if he's good in bed, there's only one way a man gets to be good in bed. And it's not watching porn. It's not masturbating. It's by sleeping with a lot of women. So a man is expected to be sexually experienced because if he's not, a woman will dog him out. You know what? The other thing that women get to do is women get to body shame 
incessantly. Let me give you an example of that. So there's this thing that the young people say referring to a man's anatomy and his energy based upon his big. Can I, I can say penis, right? But they don't say penis. They say the D word. Oh, he's oh, he's acting that way. He's acting childish. He's acting immature. He has small penis energy. Oh, well, he's confident. He's secure. Oh, look at him. He don't care what nobody thinks. He has big penis energy. You are relating a man's insecurities and his behavior and his personality to the size of his penis. What if I said, oh, she got small breast energy. No, I ain't messing with her. No, she got small breast energy. Women would have a fit. Hell, I'd get canceled if I said that because I'd be body shaming a woman. But they get to body shame us. Let's talk to you. Tangie, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm fine. You got me cracking up over here. First of all, I, I agree with most of what you're saying. Most but of what I, I said. Say, yes, most of it. These women out here, they out here. And these men do want these women that's out here. Let's take, for example, Kim Kardashian. It wasn't nobody that didn't want Kim Kardashian. What's that other little girl named Look Cute? Oh, Lori Harvey. Everybody want to be with her, and they know she done been with all these different men. I'm trying to figure out, is that some uh, whorish energy that they looking for? I mean, and it, back in the day, what was the girl's name? They called her Superhead. Oh, Everybody yeah. wanted a piece of that. All these men wanted that. Yeah, but Tangie, so, why do you think they wanted that? Some of it was because they have witnessed the sexual prowess of those women, and they want to experience that, or... They think they are man enough that they can tame these women. It's a challenge to men. Just like some women might see men that are complete hoes and think, oh, if he's with me, he ain't never going to leave me. I'm going to tame him. Some men want to tame the woman that's the savage sexual beast. Or some men want to experience the sexual prowess that they've heard that these women have. But Kim Kardashian I never understood because I saw her sex tape and she's boring. She's, I would never even oh, given the opportunity. I wouldn't even want a slice of that pie. <laughs> oh, man. That's all I wanted to say. I'm cracking up over here, though. Thank you for calling and cracking up. <laughs> Have a good day. Let me give, a, give you another example. I'm not even on the topic yet. Carrie, I don't know what you're going to call this podcast. Good luck. I don't know what you're going to title the Hour 2 podcast. Women is some freaks. That's ex- No, you should title it that, Carrie. Carrie said women like sex. That's what you should title the podcast. If you have a business, it's a very successful business. You're running your own company and you're hiring for an executive director for your company or um, someone on the management team. And you got two resumes. All right. And you, I'm going to, I'm going to liken this to a man marrying a woman. Same thing, right? A woman is applying to be a wife, which they do. And so I'm going to liken this to someone who is hiring for their company and they got two resumes. So a man who might be deciding between two women or a business owner who is deciding between two potential employees. The first resume, someone has worked at the same job for 20 years. They started when they were 16 years old. They've worked at that own that job For 20 years, they've done shipping and receiving. They've done delivery. They've done accounts payable. They've done accounts receivable. They've done management. They've done hiring and firing. They've done recruiting. They did everything for 20 years at one job. Went to work every single day. 
Only one job on the resume, 20 years of experience. And in that 20 years, they've done many things, man, oh, man. Now, they don't have a lot of different jobs, but they got a bunch of experience in one job. You see how to be a good employee. And so this is why it's perfect, because the person that is hiring is looking for someone who has the experience in all of these different areas that someone garnered in 20 years on the job. Oh, they did it all. They even swept the floor. They cleaned the toilets. They changed the light bulbs. They shoveled the snow, plowed the snow. They did advertising. They did recruiting. They did training. Oh, Lord, they did everything for this job. That's resume number one. Resume number number two is they worked at Burger King for two weeks. They worked at McDonald's for, for three months. Uh, they worked at Taco Bell. They worked at Walmart. They worked at Costco for two months. You see, they got a whole bunch of different jobs. They didn't stay there very long. That person ain't going to get hired. That's the woman that hops around from man to man to man. When you're looking at that resume, reject it. Put it in the garbage bin. You want the person that has shown a level of stability because it shows exactly that stability. And they've garnered all the experience that they need, how to be a good wife, how to be a good mother in one place instead of hopping around. See, it's that inconsistency that men reject. And y'all going to hate that comment, but you can go ahead and just hate it all you want to because it's true. Grant says, Grant sent a bunch of text messages. Don't nobody bet not say nothing about Miss Rose. She's good people, sure, when she's good people. Oh, Grant, when I responded to you, I I meant that text to be to somebody else. I think Miss Rose is great. She just messes with me. Calls and picks on me. Professor Hughes, it goes without saying Bob finally checkmated you because Bob doesn't know how a rainbow works and because Bob doesn't know how the heart beats. And what was the other thing that Bob asked us John says you should have Bob you should have told Bob that the leprechauns make the rainbows when people pass gas probably would have made more sense to him than the actual fact of science 414737 says Genesis chapter 9 tells the story of the rainbow it's God's covenant with man that the world will not be destroyed by water Avery Shelton says, killing him. Truth. Take Beyonce's new album. What should I know about Beyonce's new album, Avery? Carrie, what should I know about Beyonce's new album? Is Beyonce talking about freaky, freaky, sexy things? Oh, her song, Cuff It? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Carrie. 262212 says, Sherwin, when we register Latino patients, who they get classified as white race unless they tell us otherwise. Correct, corrected text at Sherwin. When we register Latino patients, they get classified as white race unless they tell us otherwise. Nikki says, go ahead and say it, little tit energy. Oops, I guess I shouldn't have said that. Though the whole point is women can body shame, but if we body shame them, we'll get canceled. Here's who I worry for. I worry for someone like Lizzo, because if Lizzo decides one day on her own, she's like, I want to be healthier. I want to. What if Lizzo's got type 2 diabetes? Like, what if she's unhealthy? What if she's got high blood pressure? What if she's at a higher risk for stroke, which she is? 
And what if Lizzo like goes on an incredible diet? She starts exercising. Like she eats more plant based. She takes care of herself and she starts to lose weight. People will start to turn their back on Lizzo because they're going to say that she is succumbing to culture that requires women to be skinny. She has to stay overweight. Isn't that awful? She has to. You know how they they blasted Adele. Adele used to be thicker. Oh, my God, they loved her. Oh, they loved Adele. Big old thick white woman Adele. Adele looks bomb. Lost weight. Got in shape. They shamed her for losing weight. And let me tell you how sinister and underhanded that is. I used the example not too long ago. I always use these same examples, and hopefully what I say sticks. Let a woman who is obese, morbidly obese, post a picture on social media where she is wearing clothes that are not for her body type. She's dressed way too provocative. And women can dress however they want to, but I just want you to picture this. Someone who should not be wearing the clothes that they're wearing because they could wear clothes that can make them look really sexy that are for their body type, right? And this woman just looks ridiculous. And you can say it for a man too, but the example with women is more poignant. You have a woman who is not dressed for her body type at all and she's, she's morbidly obese. The compliments that she will get from other women. You go, girl. You wear that outfit, girl. They can't tell you nothing, girl. Look at you. Look at they will give her all this confidence. Why? Because she's not a threat. But if she looked good, if she was thin, if she was in shape, if she was athletic, if she was curvy, if she looked, you know, standard of beauty ish, then the compliments she would get on social media would be more from men. Very rare that a very beautiful woman gets an overwhelming amount of comp- compliments rather from other women. It's the women who are unattractive, who are embarrassing themselves with their pictures that get compliments from women because a woman can compliment another woman. That's not competition. Women are hypergamous. Women have to be with the best man they can possibly get because women by nature and by design, this is not to be offensive to anybody. They want men that have desirable characteristics and traits that are held in high esteem by all women. Women want men that are wanted by all sorts of other women. Women do not want a man that nobody wants. They want the man that everybody wants. They want the actors. They want the rock stars, the musicians, the rappers. They want the rich people. That's what they want. And so fair enough. Men who are at the top of the scale have a bunch of women to choose from. So, ladies, if that is what you believe that you need to be with and you only want to be with the best man you can possibly get, he's tall, he's handsome, he's rich, he's got a great reputation, he's loyal, he's faithful, he does housework, all of those things, right? You want him. Guess what? Every woman wants him. How are you going to stand out? And stop saying, oh, he's just going to pick me. No, he's not. Not unless you stand out. Not unless you outcompete those other women. To be with the best man a woman can be with, she has to compete against other women. So if there's a woman who's not competition for the best man, she going to encourage that woman who's not competition. Oh, girl, you keep doing what you're doing. No, you keep looking ridiculous on social media. We will continue to praise you. In fact, we will boost your self-esteem because you are not competition for the top quality men. All right. Carrie says, I got to go to break. Avery Shelton says, I should talk to Mel. Mel is my little sister, but I sometimes when I hear her talking, 
I got to turn the radio off because I'd be so tempted to come in the studio. Man, they was talking about something yesterday. It took every bit of my being not to come in the studio. And shout out to Telly. He held it down as best he could, but he could have just, he could have pounced on something that Melanie Rick said. She was like, a man, she's never learned anything from a man. She's like, and all the men she's dated or whatever, she's like, nah, man, he never taught me nothing. And then literally wanted examples of how men can teach women things. Like, that blew my mind. And But that's the thing I'm glad she said. And I, Melanie, I love you. You're my sister now. I'll fight for you, Melanie. I promise to God I will. But that's the problem. If you feel you cannot learn from another person or at least learn about yourself through another person, well, that's the problem. We love you, Mel. The truth was sure when he was on the new 101.7 FM. I'll be right back. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. So there's this... TikTok algorithm. If you know, you know. It's called the FUPA challenge. And if FUPA is not what you think it is. All right. Carrie, I agree with you. What they found is that in countries where there's higher disparity between women's pay and men's pay, the women act more provocatively on social media. So the bigger the gap is between what women make and what men make, women are much more likely to be sexually exploitative of themselves on social media. If you look at countries where the pay gap doesn't exist, the women are not showing their bodies on social media because it's a way to attract men instantaneously. Because if the woman is that attractive, a rich man will just come get her. And she knows that by advertising herself and advertising what she believes that men want, she won't have to work on like herself and who she is as a person. If she looks good enough, Drake will just go on her inbox. That's basically what it is. All right. Sonny B says, Carrie is definitely like your little sister being your hype man. Carrie's not my hype woman, though. I asked her to be more like Ben James. Why would I do that? I ain't going to do all that. Uh-uh. You don't need all that. That's extra. I ain't doing that. Carrie checks me and hurts my feelings. She calls me racial slurs. Is it really 41 after 11? That last segment must have went long. Well, plus I was in the studio with y'all showing y'all stuff. Yeah, but I came in here and the Sade song was already at the chorus. The caller says. Okay. Uh, ah, it's reading all that. Dion says, what the hell is this? Dion said, I'll break Lizzo off. I don't want you if you're not 200. 18 inch hips. OMG. Lizzo's hips are 118 inches, not 18 inches. I don't even listen to Mel. She's a young feminist and haven't lived life long enough 
to have had enough experience. Mel has got her own perspective. We're not talking about my colleague. She, I just commented on something that she said that caused me to want to come in the studio. Cause I do that every now and again. I, I shouldn't do that because they have their own platform. And plus coming in a studio where there's already three people doing a show, like me adding my voice is unnecessary, but sometimes I can't help it. I got to chime in because they just, I don't know. I think they need to hear from Sherwin. So in my relationships, let's just say that some of them haven't worked out, but I'm actually very proud of my dating resume because the overwhelming majority of the women that I have dated and the relationships did not work out, like 90% of those women went on to get married. And you would think like, oh, Sherwin, why would you be proud of that? Because other men recognized that those women were very much marriage marriage material, and I just didn't recognize it. Or I just didn't want to get married. Like, that's a personal journey a man has to make. A man getting married before he's ready is going to end in disaster. Women can get married before they're ready as well. But if she wants other things like the status of saying, look, I'm married. You're not. I hear women shame each other, even women that ain't even married yet, that they're engaged. Let me be clear about the engagement. That don't mean you get married. That means you he thinking about it. It's status. When a woman can land a man, it's not status for us to yeah, guess what, fellas? Ha ha, I'm married. Yeah, look at my ring. I got a woman at home. That's not status. For a woman to land a man and to be married, it's status over other single women. Now, if a woman can get, we can both, men and women can get different things out of marriage. That's not even what I'm supposed to be talking about today. Men and women can get different things out of marriage, but if she wants a family, if she wants children, if she wants to outcompete her sister who's married to a millionaire and they got a bunch of perfect little children, then a woman via marriage can still compete and outcompete with other women. There's also different perspectives on it because men are not really socialized to be good husbands. We're not. Like nobody socializes us to be that way. We have to learn through trial and error what is and what is not a good man. If you got your father in your life, then maybe he's an example or maybe he's a very bad example. But I don't think the men are socialized to be good husbands. Like we're not taught to be good dads. We're not taught to be nurturers and to be caretakers. As a matter of fact, that might be seen as weak. But I think with with women, because women file for the majority of divorces, I need y'all to understand that. The overwhelming number of of divorces. And there's a woman whose last name is Doyle. I can't think of her name, but she writes a really good article that I've been citing for many, many years. She says between 66 and 90% of all divorces are filed by women, and then she backs up why. Because women can leave a man based upon how they feel, how they feel about him, how they feel emotionally. If he's not helping around the house, if he's not helping with the kids, if she is not getting whatever her changing needs are, and if they're not being met by the man, she can fall out of love with him and file for divorce. Plus, there could be some financial incentive to her divorcing him because if women are hypergamous, if they marry and want to be with the best men they can be, some of that is financial. So if she leaves him, there's financial incentive. She's going to get the kids. She's going to get alimony. She's going to get child support. She'll probably even get his house. So the moment she becomes emotionally detached from that man, dude, you're out of here and you're going to pay me. 
If she makes less money than him and grows accustomed to a lifestyle that his income provided her, she still gets to maintain that lifestyle. Even when she decides she's emotionally detached from the man. Here's where men screw up in marriages. And I know this because I've been watching my friends and my family my entire life and seeing from when they met their spouses to the dating, to the engagement, to five years of marriage and 10 years of marriage and 20 years of marriage and raising kids. I've seen the entire thing in my almost 48 years. Here's what men do. They stop emotionally investing in their woman. He'll be like, woman, I said I do to you. I agreed to marry you. What else you want me to do? He th- and he's he's obligated to his duties. Like, I'm going to bring the money home. I'm going to go to work every day. I'm going to take care of my responsibilities. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to fix stuff around the house. Like, he's committed to those things, but not necessarily investing in her emotionally and continuously. He thinks that by saying yes and marrying this woman and giving her the dream wedding or whatever it is that she wanted, he thinks his obligations to her are done. Now, it may not be that be like that right away, but over some years, he's not touching her like he used to. He's not saying sweet things like he used to. Now, some men, again, this is not all men, but over time, he just kind of pulls away and kind of retreats. And he thinks that he's done with his investment and his obligation because he said, I do. With a woman, from her perspective, you got to say, I do every damn day. She has to know. You have to reassure her and convince her. That she is your bride, like when you first fell in love with her, you got to live like that every day. And for some men, it's like, yo, that's too much for me. I said I do, now leave me alone. Let me have my man cave. Let me just chill. All right, I'm going to take a break now. Come back and get on task. Previous analysis of Census Bureau estimates make plain that the nation's population growth has grounded down to historic low. Only a tenth of 1% growth between 2020 and 2021. During this prime year of COVID-19, the number of deaths rose sharply, births declined, and immigration reached its lowest level in decades. At the same time, population movement within the United States led to sharp declines in many of its largest metro areas, particularly in these areas of the biggest cities. I'm going to pause there, come back, and pick up population decline and how white people are literally dying off in this country, and they're panicking. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Total fertility rate in the United States by ethnicity of mother. This is insane. Okay, look at this. For every 1,000 women. I got to make sure I'm reading this right, y'all. Total fertility rate in the United States in the year 2020 by ethnicity of the mama. Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander per 1,000 women. 
they have 2,141 and a half kids. Hispanics, for every 1,000 women, they have 1,875 and a half kids. Blacks, for every 1,000 women, black women have 1,714 children. The average in the United States for every 1,000 women, the average is 1,641 children born per every 1,000 women. Whites, just about the lowest, 1,552 births per 1,000 women. So you have got one, two, three brown skin racial minorities that have more children per 1,000 women than white women. And this trend is continuing. And people that create political agendas know this. And they're trying to look at what does the future of this country look like if we don't stop white women from having abortions? Let me be clear. All women of all races, for whatever their reason, those reasons belong to that woman, will terminate pregnancies. But white women have more aggregate-wise. Now, the percentages are low. The percentages of white women... From the data that we can get, because a lot of information is clandestine, it's like 33% of certain pregnancies can end in abortion with white women. With black women, it's like 38%, but here's what you got to keep in mind. 33% of pregnancies ending in abortion for white women versus 38% for black women. There's only 11 million black women in the country. There's probably 100 million white women in the country. So 33% of 100 million is a lot more abortions than 38% of 10 or 11 million. That is why they want to outlaw abortion, because if they outlaw abortion, white women will have to have more children. Do you also know that the, because I thought that it was the inverse, the majority of children who are waiting and languishing in foster care, and I shouldn't say languishing, but it's white. Children. So 170,000 white kids at any point in time that are waiting to be adopted. Only 86,000 black kids. So th- that number will go up. And it's not like people are in a rush to adopt kids. The demand is low. Or it's either the demand is low or the process is long and strenuous. It's probably both. And that's why I am all in favor of gay couples adopting kids. Because it's the straight people that make the kids. Can we admit? Because I don't think anybody, let's say a gay couple goes and gets artificially inseminated. I don't think they're going to go through all the rigmarole of getting artificially inseminated and say, yeah, I don't want the baby we just paid 50 grand to to have. And I'm just going to put it up for adoption. Straight people are having kids they don't want. So if straight people are having the kids and the gays want to adopt the straight people's mistakes, then let the gays adopt the babies. Why is that even a concern? Y'all would rather have kids just sit in foster care forever than to allow the gays to adopt the kids? Because the straight people made the kids. The straight people were irresponsible. They got drunk. They were drinking that henny. They was twerking. Got very drunk, very turned on. They did it. Baby came. Oh, we don't want the baby. We made a mistake here and put the baby up for adoption. And then the gays come on. Oh, we'll take that baby. We'll raise that baby real good. You didn't want it. You straights made the baby. You could have kept the baby. You didn't want the baby. Put the baby on and but for adoption. We'll take the baby. It's very simple. So I got some other stuff here for you. I got to take another damn break. An estimated 47.2 million people in the United States identified as black is in 2021. The black population has grown by more than 10 million since the year 2000. 
in the year 2021, there were 4.8 million foreign-born black Americans. So I'm gonna when I take this break, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna dive into this. The black population is one of the youngest populations in the country, meaning that there's still a disproportionate number of black people who are pre uh, reproductive age. I'll talk about that in hour three. Just stay tuned. I'll be right back. 